Welcome to the Tax Girl Podcast, your home for tax news, tax info, and tax policy. In each episode, I'll share conversations about taxes, money, and the choices we make. I'm your host, Kelly phillips Herb, Tax Girl. I'm a tax attorney, and I work with taxpayers and tax practitioners like you every day. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. Over the past year, I've talked a lot about the profession. Broadly, that means tax. But tax as a career isn't always in a neat package. We're not all accountants or preparers. And one of the reasons I love doing the podcast is the opportunity to talk to folks who represent all aspects of the profession. One of the questions that I get a lot is how you get started in tax. That answer can vary depending on what you mean. But I thought it would be fun to have an occasional series on non-traditional tax careers. And I wanted my first guest, to be Allison Versbrill. Allison is a senior reporter covering tax and the IRS and the Treasury Bloomberg tax. Her articles deal with everything from significant regulatory developments to administrative news, especially that which involves the IRS. She has also worked as a reporter on Capitol Hill, writing about major tax legislation, including the 2017 tax overhaul. She has appeared on Bloomberg Radio and Bloomberg Surveillance, as well as Bloomberg's Talking Tax. And her work has appeared in Wealth Management Magazine and Accounting Today. Her reporting on estate and corporate tax issues has won awards, and she is a graduate of the University of Virginia. Thank you, Allie, so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Kelly. In the introduction, I talked a little bit about what you do, but can you walk us through how you chose reporting? Sure. So it's actually, uh, it's pretty funny. So I was not, I did not always want to be a reporter. It's not like I was in grade school and uh, had decided this is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I actually entered college at the University of Virginia, was a pre-med major. I still graduated with a bio minor, actually. But I really developed this love of media probably in my second year of college. I discovered that we had this media studies program. You had to apply into it. They accepted about 40 students. And there was actually a, a huge focus on broadcast journalism. So not necessarily written journalism like I do now. Mm-hmm. And so I had started, you know, taking some classes, very much fell in love with the major and ended up switching when I got into that program my junior year of college. But upon graduation, really thought I was going to get into the broadcast side of things. Had actually had a presentation from someone at Bloomberg LP in New York and you know, they talked about their program. They had this really, you know, great internship to do reporting. And so I ended up meeting with that person, got a coffee, applied for the program, got into that. And then that's really kind of how I entered uh, journalism or got my first taste of it. And so, you know, that took me to New York City. I was interning up there for several months, mostly covering Ebola, actually. That was sort of the big... Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That was the big story of the day. You know, I was jumping on subways, having conversations with people in the street. It was a really, just a really interesting time to be doing sort of local New York news. So that's how I got into all of this, really. And so how did that transition to tax? Like, how did you go from Ebola to IRS? (laughs) So that's a good question. So like I said, I had this internship in New York City. I was on the states and municipalities team, which was very much like a local government type beat. Right after the internship, my boyfriend, who is now my husband, he was actually working in Alaska on a campaign there. And, you know, we were trying to find a place to meet. We thought, what better 
place to live than DC where you can have politics and media at the same time. You know, I was applying for jobs and actually ended up as a defense reporter for a magazine called National Defense Magazine. And I did that for probably about a year and a half. It was really interesting, really covering a lot of the budget process and new weapon systems. So still not related to tax. And when you were there, did you do like proper, was it a proper magazine? So you did like layouts and everything or were you just doing, was it online? Like what kind of magazine was it? So it was interesting. So we did both. So we had a digital, we had a website and I would post stories to the website and do that sort of on a daily basis. And then I had these long form features. I actually ended up with my own column at one point, Oh, cool! which was like entirely new tech focused. And so that was really interesting. I mean, it's, it's very different from the type of reporting I do now because you have to really count the characters, really get that right. And I was also doing a lot of graphic design work for the magazine because it was a pretty small shop. Mm -hmm. So a lot of really, I picked up a lot of really interesting sort of background and and skills there, which was great. Awesome. And then I got into tax, finally getting to tax. I actually, so because I had done that Bloomberg internship, you know, I kept in touch with some of my former employers and, you know, I actually hadn't realized they had shared my resume over with some of the folks that were hiring at Bloomberg Industry Group. And so sort of out of the blue, I got a call from someone who said, hey, I've seen your resume. I know you did the internship at Bloomberg. We'd love to have you come in. We're looking for a tax reporter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'll be completely honest that I had never thought of myself as being a tax reporter. It was just not something that I honestly, I don't even think I knew that that was a beat that people really did to be completely honest. Yeah, I think people think tax is boring. So I could see that. I could see you would think, why do you write about tax? Like, what could there be, right? No, definitely. And, you know, I remember going into this interview too and just not knowing anything about taxes. The job was supposed to be like specifically focused on the estate tax and tools that that people could use to maybe dodge that tax. And so I did a lot of research leading up to that interview and actually, I think, laid the ground for, for groundwork for one of the stories I eventually wrote, which was was pretty interesting. But yeah, I mean, came in for the interview and really the manager at the time, he just sort of convinced me on the beat. You know, he was very bubbly and fun, you know, completely, you know, did away with the notion that taxes are boring. He even kind of made a joke at the beginning that no one who comes into you know, no one who starts reporting on taxes ever thinks that they're going to end up reporting on taxes. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> and he really just described how much you can actually do. I think one of the jokes on our team currently is that there's always a tax angle, which I have found to be completely true. I mean, I've I've written stories that actually touch on defense before that are tax related. I've done sports stories that are tax related. So there's just so much opportunity to kind of dive into these different areas. Oh, I agree. Because I I often say like, there are a lot of things that influence what you do and where you go and where you buy your house. And a lot of it comes down to tax. I mean, you can argue that tax is responsible for a lot of behaviors. So in that regard, you know, when you talk about sports, it could be where someone lives. It's Tiger Woods moving to Florida because of tax. Like there's always that angle. I, I think that's one of the things that makes it so fascinating. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think one of the most interesting stories I ever got to write was a story all about how CGI, you know, think like Fast and Furious, how they were able to 
kind of keep using actors who had passed away. Mm -hmm. Basically, this whole story on how that would affect, you know, how celebrity, how the post-mortem image and likeness of celebrities is valued at death. And it's fascinating. And so it was just a whole story about how that could increase valuations, which could mean more taxes for estates and something I never thought I would be writing about when I took on this beat. So you were ready when the Michael Jackson case dropped then because you you knew all about valuations at that point. Yes. Yeah. I actually, so that was, it was sort of funny because I was kind of part of the broader Michael Jackson series. We were waiting for the decision. So we had some stories building up that were specifically related to Michael Jackson. And then we had kind of these offshoot stories that were sort of linked up with the whole valuation of image and likeness type issue, but not just about the case. And that actually brings up a really interesting point. Like when certain things were happening, so let's say, you know, TCJA or something like that, you know that that's going to be a story. So you know that that's going to be something that someone on the team is going to report on. But how do you get your stories otherwise? Do you decide, you know, you're reading the paper and you're like, wow, there's this Michael Jackson controversy. I'll bet it to be a great story. Like how do you decide what is going to be a good story when you get to choose your own stories? I mean, it's interesting. Sometimes I just know of a particular topic. You know, maybe I'm maybe I'm saying, you know, there I haven't written about estate taxes in a long time and or, you know, some of the issues that are affecting very wealthy estates. Let me just go and speak to some sources who deal with these these issues and see if anything interesting pops up. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten some really good stories doing that. I know back pretty early when I started, I had this whole story on dynasty trusts. And, you know, basically because of changes in state law, you know, these trusts were being able to exist pretty much forever uh, for the benefit of grandchildren and et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so, and that was a really early version of that story. And then I remember the New York Times did one about a month later. I don't know if they saw my original story, but I'd like to think they did. You know, they they wrote their own story and now that's become kind of a constant story that you see out there. So just checking in with sources has been a great way to do it. You know, we've talked before about using social media. So yeah, yeah. Going to tax Twitter and seeing, you know, if anyone's complaining about anything in particular, because sometimes if you have I mean, oftentimes you have several tax professionals who are having the same issue with the IRS. And so when you can kind of pinpoint those trends, turns into a really good story, you can reach out to the IRS and get some feedback. And so that's been a really good place to get to get stories. And when you mention sources, how do you find sources otherwise? And like kind of a related question that I think listeners would be interested in. You know, everybody always makes a big deal on social about anonymous sources, right? There's like always anonymous sources and some kind of story that people are saying, oh, it can't be true because it's anonymous. Do you have anonymous sources? And if you do, how does that work? So I guess the first part about how I find sources. So if I know the specific subject I'm looking at, I mean, honestly, I will sometimes just Google maybe like the reg number of something I'm looking for or the subject. And a lot of times, um, attorneys that, you know, subject matter experts that are in that area, they've written briefs or blog posts um, for their law firms. And so I've gotten a lot of sources that way. I've gotten sources 
former government officials, I use a lot of LinkedIn to to sort of track down those folks uh, using LinkedIn has actually pretty precise uh, search features, which is really nice. And so I've done that. I've looked at lobbying disclosures for sources on Capitol Hill. Typically, if you know, like the lawmakers that are making the big decisions, I will, you know, find people in those offices, just kind of reach out to them and see if they're willing to talk to me. And then getting to anonymous sources. So yes, I do use anonymous sources. And it's a decision whether or not to include that in a story. So I think Bloomberg uh, Industry Group actually has pretty, pretty strict restriction or pretty, pretty firm restrictions on how you can use anonymous sourcing. Mm -hmm. And essentially, you have to have depending on what it is, either two to three people confirming the same exact thing. And our bosses will also know who the source you're talking to is and kind of their level of expertise, right? So if this person is making their way into the story as a person familiar, which is probably the last designation, you know, probably the last kind of attribution we want to use. But if this is someone really, really high ranking in the government or Congress, that information gets passed by our editors who or at least just one manager editor, so it's not kind of floating all over the building to get confirmation. So there is a pretty big process in place. And even if it is one high-ranking person, we traditionally don't cite just that person. We have to make sure we have at least a second source, at least a third source backing it up, depending on what the information is. You know, So there is this whole approval process. And more recently... I know, you know, my managers and editors have been sort of cracking down on phrases like a person familiar. So if you're going to use someone anonymously, they prefer if you could say, you know, a treasury official or House Democratic aide or something that's a little bit more specific that can give, you know, a little bit more credibility to what you're reporting. And speaking of credibility, so one of the things that's kind of fascinating to me is I get pitched stories all day long. And sometimes they're odd, right? Like you you have a hard time sometimes figuring out ahead of time, is it a real story? Is it going to be newsworthy? How do you learn how to do that? Because I know that's something that, you know, you get better at, but do you find that to be tricky? Like I get a lot of emails from people. I'm on a couple of email threads right now that have been put on where they're alleging misdeeds at accounting or law firms, for example. And do you make a decision early on to figure out if it's a story? Do you watch it to see how it develops to decide if it's a story? Like, how do you kind of know when you're looking at something or looking at a pitch, whether or not it's worth your time? Because, you know, it's a really fast moving business, right? So people are going to be pitching to you all the time. How do you kind of decide what, what deserves your time and then what to kind of keep an eye out for in case it looks interesting? Yeah. So I think a lot of the times I, you know, subject matter is important. So if it's something that's really interesting, you know, now I get a lot of cryptocurrency pitches. I'm always usually pretty interested in those, at least just as a way to to mine sources for stories I'm working on right now. Mm-hmm. Or even, I, you know, I mentioned actually that CGI story. So that initially, there was a PR person who pitched something kind of similar and that got me thinking about, again, the tax angle of of what she was talking about with the CGI and celebrities essentially being able to scan their bodies so that they could be in stories even after their death. And so that wasn't 
from my recollection, that wasn't specifically a tax pitch, but it was such an interesting idea to think about that it sort of led to another story. And I think I did talk to that, the person that they pitched in that, in that email mm-hmm. for the article I ended up writing. So I would just say really interesting story ideas. If you're going to pitch a person, I mean, one thing that I always love is if the person's available that day, because I don't know how many times I've gotten a PR pitch from someone where, you know, they say, oh, legislation is moving in Congress on X and we have, you know, these three subject matter experts and they can talk to you. And as a reporter, you know, you're writing stories that day. Everything is moving very quickly. Sure. And so the amount of times where I'll reach back and they'll say, oh, yeah, well, we can get you on the phone with them in three days. And you're like, well, (laughs) (laughs) that's just not going to work. So I would say things that catch my attention, anything that has like really interesting data, anything that's a really interesting idea. And hopefully the person has tied it to taxes, you know, to, in my case, federal taxes in some way. Mm-hmm. And then I would say anything that's sort of hinging on the big news of the day. So offering a pitch on, you know, like, a, like I said, some, some massive legislation that I'm most likely covering. Like those are the ones that catch my eye. And if I'm unsure, you know, if I get one that feels kind of weird, but there may be something there, I typically will at least take a call with someone they recommended. Mm-hmm. And have a call, kind of get them to explain exactly what they're what they're talking about. And if it seems like this is not going to work, then I sort of end it after that first call. But yeah, you definitely learn as you are on the beat for longer, pretty immediately, like this is news or this is just not going to work for our team. So right. it takes some experience. <laughs> sure. So what's your favorite part of the job then? I would say, honestly, anything that like any time that I find something that no one else has discovered yet, where I can get, you know, a really big scoop that really, I mean, it's a great feeling. There are not a lot of, I think, jobs where you can get that sort of, aha, I got it and no one else has it yet. And this could end up, you know, in, in all the big news publications, not just our own. That's happened a couple of times. So one of uh, my coworkers, Sam McQuillan. So we wrote a, we co-wrote a story on this IRS memo about daily fantasy sports, essentially getting, potentially getting hit with these massive tax bills over, it was like the fees uh, to enter their contest. Mm-hmm. And so that ended up, it just so happened that we wrote, we discovered this memo, wrote this story right before um, DraftKings earnings call. And so oh, gosh, yeah. everyone was asking the question about it uh, in, in the call, which was crazy. And, you know, a lot of big news publications picked it up and we actually won two awards for that story. That's awesome. This year, which is, which is great. And then, uh, you know, other scoops. So I was also um, a part of the the team of reporters who broke that the IRS was extending the filing season this year, which mm-hmm. was picked up by a lot of publications. Also broke some big news on President Joe Biden's capital gains proposal, which again was picked up by a lot of really big publications and on TV. And so it's just cool to see that that happen. I don't know how, how else to explain it. <laughs> so what's your least favorite part of the job then? Are you allowed to say? <laughs> I'm sure my manager Patrick would uh would probably know some of my least favorite things. I mean, I think I think everyone's least favorite part if you're a tax reporter is probably the stress 
of getting a really, really dense IRS reg on a Friday. <laughs> oh, five o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> five o'clock on a Friday, like no fail, you know, IRS, IRS dumps these massive regulations and then you have to just figure it out because again, I now know a lot about taxes, but I wouldn't say I'm an expert in any sense of the word. And so that's always not fun. I mean, what else? There are just these kind of daily things that you sometimes have to do that aren't necessarily the most interesting, Mm -hmm. but they're kind of just part of the job. But that's, I mean, that's the case with any career you get into. Is there any scoop that you remember having and losing? Like you were going to do it and then you didn't, and then someone else did and it drove you nuts. Cause that happened to me. And I'm not going to say what it was, but when I was with another outlet, I almost wrote a story and then it ended up on the front page of the times. And I was so like kicking myself. Like, why didn't I chase that story? Have you had one of those moments? I've had moments where I've been in the process of reporting out a story and then someone has like just beaten me to it. Mm -hmm. That's always, that always I think is even more frustrating than maybe thinking about pursuing a story and then not doing it. Right. Um, Because you're so close to getting there and then to just have it kind of pulled away from you at the end is horrible. But yeah, that happened with a story recently. I was writing about some of the issues with, you know, scoring revenues from increasing IRS funding, Mm -hmm. you know, issues that CBO was going to have actually giving that a score to offset some of the costs of the bills that President Joe Biden wants Congress to pass. Right. And so... Politico actually just beat us to the story. It was like they posted it that night while we were still editing our story. And then ours went out the next morning. And that was frustrating. I mean, I I knew the reporters always give people kudos where they deserve kudos. But yeah, it stings a little bit when you've been working on the same story and someone kind of swoops in and snatches it away. (laughs) Right. Is there anybody you wish you or even prospectively, not even like a, like a regret, but just, is there anybody that you particularly wish that you had or could interview? Anyone I wish I could interview? I'm guessing on taxes specifically, right? No, it doesn't have to be on taxes. I mean, I think just as a reporter, because I, I will say that somebody asked me a similar question, like who would I want to have dinner with? And I'm like, Yellen, even though I don't really do a lot of Yellen related stories, I just think she'd be fantastic to talk to. So do you have anybody that you're like, I'd love to sit down and just pick their brain and interview oh, them? Oh gosh, this is a good question. I feel, I feel a little put on the spot. Now oh, I'm sorry. Trying. Sorry. <laughs> this is my upper question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, uh, no, this is a good question. I mean, Janet Yellen would be, would be a good one. Maybe a longer term, like a, and a real sit down kind of 30 minute interview with IRS commissioner, um, Reddick, Charles Reddick, because I mm-hmm. feel like he doesn't do a ton of just one-on-one interviews, at least from, you know, I have, I have asked for them and, and not necessarily gotten them. So I think it would be really great to kind of pick his brain and, you know, have a good opportunity to sit with, down with him for a good long while. Cause I think there are a lot of, you know, interesting things happening at the IRS. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Definitely. Definitely. I talked to Mark Mazur outside of the government before he was, um, he's now in the kind of like the acting assistant secretary for tax policy at Treasury Mm -hmm. and really great guy, you know, would love to have a a good sit down with him now that he's kind of more deeply involved in in all of the uh, the Biden proposals now. So So clearly 
if the IRS or Treasury is listening, then you have your wish list right there. That's right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> these are these are some people I feel like that, yeah, so I'm putting those wishful thinking out there. These are some folks that I have tried to get kind of sit down interviews with in the past, but sometimes haven't been so successful. So right. anything you can do to help me out, Kelly, that'd be great. Absolutely. <laughs> so you've talked a lot about like, you know, how your career, how you got where you are. What about like advice for somebody just starting out? If somebody's listening and they're like, you know what, this sounds really fascinating. I'm kind of scared because I didn't want to switch gears. And I, I didn't know this about you until this interview that you started out pre-med and then um, switched gears. If somebody's thinking that they love the idea of reporting, what would you tell them? And then if somebody was in reporting and was thinking, I'm kind of interested in tax, what would you tell them? Yeah. So I think reporting in general, I mean, some of the best advice I could give, well, in college one, if you if you have the opportunity and you're still in college to sort of switch a major or get a specialty that's at least journalism adjacent, that's great. I mean, like I said, I was a major in media studies, which was which was more broadcast focused. There was also kind of like an education component. I took a uh, media in the Kennedy's class. So there was like a lot of history to it, which was kind of cool. But, you know, if you can get some sort of journalism adjacent major, that obviously helps. But I think the bigger thing really helped me out is to not be afraid to just kind of, you know, reach out to people who are in positions that you want to be in. So. One of the things I did post-graduation or actually post-Bloomberg internship was I was looking for a job in journalism, had this internship under my belt, but really didn't have any, I didn't have any, you know, friend connections or, or family connections that could kind of help me get into either a broadcast journalism role or another sort of regular journalism job. Um, so I started guessing email addresses for <laughs> people who had jobs that I really wanted to have. So I think one of the ones I sent was to like a CNN producer at the time or something and and basically like guessed her email address and said, I would love to get coffee with you sometime. Like you, you have a job that I think I would like to do one day. Would you be willing to sit down with me? And it's funny because I feel like people are really scared of doing things like that. But majority of the time, folks are really receptive and kind of flattered when you send them those sorts of emails. Sure, yeah. And so I had a lot of coffees that way, you know, things that maybe led to interviews that I probably would have never gotten before. Maybe not stuff that led to jobs at the moment, but I think helped build connections. Right. I'm a big proponent of connections. I think it makes a lot of difference. I think people who are singularly focused on a goal without thinking about how you connect the dots are missing out. Oh, absolutely. And I and I think people also too like don't put in the work. If they've met someone who, you know, if they've met someone who maybe does a job or hires for positions that you like, but doesn't have something at the moment, I feel like people kind of stop reaching out to that person or, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to just consistently, like constantly go get coffee with someone and say, you know, what's going on? Do you think there's anything coming up? Or just to pick their brain and ask like what they're looking for in candidates, you know, things like that. So I think maintaining connections is important. I think creating connections where you may not have them, you know, you may not be a a person who just has a lot of sort of built-in connections already. Right. I did a lot of, so I would find people that had gone to my college and were also at companies that I wanted to work with. And I did a lot of, hey, I'm a UVA grad, you're a UVA grad, like, 
<laughs> That's super smart. Yeah. Cause people love, especially like within your college, people love sharing, I think, success with other people that went to the same place that they did. Oh, absolutely. And, and UVA is pretty, like, I feel like they have a pretty, uh, solid alumni network. And so I really tried to use that again to build connections. So I would just recommending those types of things. I think another way to get a job if reporting is something you're interested in is to really make use of the cover letter that you send in for job applications. So I feel like I have a lot of friends who kind of look at the cover letter as this annoying, like throwaway thing that they don't want to do. And the best advice that I ever got was from a mentor during the Bloomberg internship who she essentially told me that she writes story ideas in our cover letter. So does some of the background, but then says, if I started for you tomorrow, here are five stories. No, that's clever, I think, because it shows that you're thinking about the job instead of just doing a mass mailing. Yeah, that's super clever. Yes, yes. And like, I can't take credit for that. I do use her tip, but that was something that she told me to do. And I can't tell you the number of times that, again, even if I haven't gotten a job, that at least it's gotten my resume application like past the initial process. So those are tips for just reporting in general. In terms of tax reporting, I would just say... I mean, don't don't be scared about it. I think a lot of people, I think honestly, we the tax positions, there are a lot of them in DC. I mean, you have firms like Tax Nodes, you have Bloomberg Industry just has a tax team. So there are constantly tax reporting jobs that are out there. And, you know, I'm not sure that they get, I think they get a decent amount of applications, but maybe not as much as other types of beats because I think people are just a little bit scared of tax. Mm-hmm. So that would be my biggest advice is just apply. When you are applying, make sure you do your research. And, you know, again, taxes touch on everything. So if sports interest you and you want to come in and talk about these great sports stories that you're going to do that have a tax element, I think that's great. And that stands out because you've brought something to the table that you'd like to write. Right. So I think keeping in mind that It's not just taxes. You can write about a lot of different things. Coming prepared, bring some story ideas after doing some research. Those are sort of all the tips I would give for for tax reporting. Cool. Well, thank you. I suspect we're going to hear a lot from you in the next couple of months uh, with the legislation moving through right now. So uh, readers and listeners should stay tuned. If folks wanted to find you on social media or on the web and you wanted to be found, where would you send them? So I would probably send them either to my Twitter, which is at Allie Versprill, or my LinkedIn, which is dash Allison Versprill. And I'll be sure to put those links in the show notes so people can easily find them. Thank you so much for your time today. I think this is really a fun topic. I don't think we talk about enough. Like I think that people are interested in what they read and they don't know how it gets on the page or on the tablet or on the the uh, the web. So thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, you giving me the opportunity to come on. I'd love to know what you thought of this episode. You can send an email with your feedback to podcast at taxgirl.com. And if you liked it, please share. You can find the audio of each episode at taxgirl.com. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite listening app, so you never miss an episode. 
Thanks for listening. Because paying taxes is painful, but hearing about them shouldn't have to be.